This episode of That's What She Said is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. Visit Sarah Candle, C-E-R-A, candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your purchase. They have that Valentine's Day box going on for $20. You can get to pick two of the Fresh Roses, Tuxedo, and Date Night. These are affordable, perfect for a significant other. And their goal for this company was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality. Make sure you check out sarahcandles.com. On this episode, we're going to do some uh, quick hits around sports. We're talking about the Astros and their apology tour yesterday, which was, uh, yeah, uh, NBA quick hitters as we are to the All-Star break now. And then we have a couple discussions on the Fairgrounds Racing card. First, we interview Jeremy Balin, and then we bring on Mike Gagliano, who won the uh, NBA Jam. Uh, basically, he gave us three winners consecutive shows in a row when we asked for your posts on social media. All of you. Can, uh, can come on for an NBA Jam segment If you give us three straight winners on social media Then we're going to recap our picks for Fairgrounds We'll close things out with some Sam Houston for Saturday And then we'll read through some of your weekend plays Kick back and enjoy this episode of That's What G Said February 14th, happy Valentine's Day out there to everyone Appreciate you tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said With a third episode coming out this week There was a lot going on So uh, we will be covering You know, the focus of this episode will really be The two interviews that we have Talking about the Fairgrounds Saturday Risen Star card And then the Sam Houston Saturday Racing And we'll uh, we'll mention a few other quick topics in sports uh, Before we get there if you didn't see the, this Astros stuff yesterday, okay, so the Astros, it's the start of spring training now. The Astros, we know, they got caught cheating. Nothing nothing happened, really. They they didn't get the, take, the World Series taken away from them. But then everybody came out yesterday and was apologizing. And it was just atrocious. It was awful. They were reading off of written statements. Nothing felt heartfelt genuine. Until they went back into the clubhouse, like everything that they had prepared to come out and talk was just horrible. I mean, I want to go through a couple of these articles. I'll mention some of the things that happened. Uh, this was uh, from ESPN. Uh, players were made available at a news conference as the Astros opened spring training in West Palm Beach, Florida. Bregman said, I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, my organization, and by me. I have learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball friends. Uh, Altuve said the Astros had a great team meeting on Wednesday night, and the whole organization feels bad for what happened in 2017. They apologized at least, okay, so that's different from before where they weren't really even acknowledging anything. Um, and they, they seem to take at least a little, like the players seem to take a little bit more responsibility. Um, Yuli Gurriel, no one put a gun to our head, it would be a lie to say that one or two people are responsible. George Springer said, we are all responsible. How about Justin Verlander? Remember Verlander? He's been the guy forever that said if you cheated in any way, shape, or form, you should be kicked out. He's always very vocal. He's been talking about how he didn't like how he felt like the ball 
was juiced last year and he was giving up a ton of home runs because of that and he's he's very opinionated that that's what makes this whole thing frustrating right is that the, this wasn't a really quiet team these guys are very flashy very loud from Verlander you know when he talks to the just to all of them really good players right Bregman Springer Altuve Yuli Gurriel they're all very very flashy and they were cheating you know, it's one of those things. Where it's like when you're cheating, you're and you're out there. Now it makes it even worse, kind of knowing that they were really trying to rub it in everyone's face, right? Verlander said, "Once I spent time and I understood what was happening. I wish I had done more. I can't go back and reverse my decision. I wish I had done more, and I didn't." Sheesh. Sheesh. Astros owner Jim Crane. This was great. Apologized and vowed this will never happen again on my watch. He pointed out that the MLB's decision to suspend. He pointed out that he went beyond MLB's decision to suspend Hinch and general manager Leno by firing both men. He agreed the players should not be punished. This is a great group of guys who didn't get the proper guidance from Hinch and Lunho. Like these children. So now the Astros are like five-year-old kids who their teacher, their kindergarten teacher, led them astray. Come on. He said that multiple times, like, the leadership wasn't there. Well, who's the the number one leader in your organization? You are. Unbelievable, you know. Uh, He pointed out that uh, he was asked if they should keep their World Series. He pointed out that the MLB had made it clear Houston was keeping the title, and he agreed with the decision. Our opinion is it didn't impact the game. We had a good team. We won the World Series. We'll leave it at that. How about this? Then within a minute, 50 seconds later, quote, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Jim Crane, after just having said, our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. Huh? You completely... Completely contradict yourself within 60 seconds Nice job I mean they were prepped They had meetings and they prepared for this for a long time And these were the statements they came, they came out with And this was their stance You, if, We all make mistakes Right and All of us do But when you have to come out and actually be contrite Or actually pretend like you mean what you're saying when you're reading from a piece of paper And when you're trying to spin it No matter what He keeps saying Well you know I'm doing more than what MLB said Or hey MLB didn't find that investigation You you know there's been organizational problems In Houston now for a while With the way they handled uh, the, the stuff earlier with the in the year With the female reporter And then they came out And they tried to get her fired It was just It was terrible And it starts at the top and trickles down. Carlos Correa, I thought, was one of the, the most contrite. He seemed to at least understand that they made mistakes and um but he even even he still still kind of tweaked it. He said the sign stealing system was not as effective in the twenty seventeen postseason because opposing catchers were using multiple signs to tell their pitchers what to throw. Like, why even say that? You're just trying to make yourself come off a little bit better We already know you cheated You don't have to say, well, it only worked sometime But in the playoffs, that was all us That was all natural, you know Come on, that just sounds even worse Don't give me any But what if this Well, maybe it wasn't really like that Just tell me, we cheated, I'm sorry 
I, I it's not going to happen again. And and you know that don't give me the well we, we it, 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 like I hate that. Come on, come on, that's crap. Um, he said Correa said we feel bad. We don't want to be remembered as a team that cheated to get a championship. What we did in, in 17 was wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. When we first started doing it, it almost felt like it was an advantage. Almost. But it was definitely wrong. It was definitely wrong, and we should have dropped it at the time. And then they were all asked about the buzzers under their uniforms. Um, Crane was asked, I truly believe there were no buzzers. I don't even know where that came from. We broke the rules. You can phrase that any way you want it. And now we've seen a lot of the players' reactions, you know, from Aroldis Chapman, who was the one who got the home run hit off him in the 2019 ALCS, the the walk-off that Altuve hit, and then right after Altuve hit that, you know, we've seen the video circulating. He He's rounding third, coming home, and, be, and he's... Wouldn't you be so excited, right? I would be pumped. You just hit the home run, game-winning home run, you're going to go to the World Series, and... Instead of getting pumped and celebrating, you're you're telling them already not to take your shirt off. Come on, you know, you know the buzzer's there. You know there's a wire there. That's just the thing that still rubs me the wrong way. Is just the why, why don't you just say we 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 messed up? I'm sorry. Why do you got to keep you got to keep tweaking it to try to get like any ounce of well, we we shouldn't be known as cheaters. Say you're sorry, and let's see what happens, you know, next year and, and moving forward. And and time will heal the wound if if you you know move continue to if you can move forward from this. Nobody's perfect, but it's just it makes it worse and worse when you give these fake apologies. Um. Yeah, in the the ringer it says this is the article. The uh, this is from Michael Bauman. The Astros' apology tour is off to a comically disastrous start. And he compares it uh, to Watergate. Um, Astro on Wednesday, security barred reporters from the clubhouse in the player parking lot to prevent them from asking questions about the the, the off season. And then it was Thursday morning when when we found all this out. So it was yesterday. I'm recording this Friday and. It says, by apologizing for certain aspects of the team's wrongdoing without accepting responsibility or expressing contrition himself, Crane, um, hiding behind a commissioner's report, merely scratched the surface of the Astros' deficit and uh, uh, the Astros' deceit. As more people become available for questioning, keeping a fictional story straight becomes more difficult. Crane was not prepared to make an absolute apology through a torturous press conference. Crane uh, deflected and dissembled at every turn. It was, I mean, and then they go, you know, our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Crane said the sign ceiling didn't affect the game less than a minute later, less than a minute later denying ever had such, said such a thing. He actually said, I don't think I should be held accountable. He wielded the commissioner's report like a veritable holy shield of righteousness. Uh, document seems to have been crafted up, crafted to set up former Astros employees, Lunau, Lynch, Cora, Beltran. It was all them, right? Nobody that's here, we're all at the mercy of these bad guys who forced us to do everything. That was another thing. It's like, you're good grown men. They're forcing you to do this stuff. None of you know that this is wrong or feel like it's wrong. Get the hell out of here. The scheme was at least executed by the players. If Crane wasn't prepared to answer all those questions truly and transparently, he might as well not have bothered to apologize at all. 
the Astros of the past several years gained notoriety not just for winning, but for doing so with panache, with for a ro- with a roster full of star players more intelligent, charming, and outspoken than your average ball player. On Thursday, those players didn't fare much better than Crane. Bregman let off his paragraph-long statement. I'm really sorry about the choices made by the team, my organization, and me. Springer told reporters he felt remorse and regret. Verlander wishes he'd spoken up. Reddick expressed remorse, but said he didn't see any reason to apologize to the opposing players at all. Well, you cheated them out, some people out of thousands of dollars, because you guys won, and now you guys all got about a half million dollar bonus each, not to mention the gear, um, the bonuses that your organization got from winning a World Series, all the extra money that comes with that, the extra, you know, Ticket sales just for getting there For all the playoff games uh, Get the hell out of You don't have to apologize to the other pl- the other players What about the other fans What about MLB in general That's just that, That's pathetic I mean these are embarrassing Mentioned Carlos Correa came closest to de- delivering a satisfactory apology uh, Admitted this Astros still signs They knew even in the moment it was wrong negative, But it, and it had a negative impact on opponents careers And this last paragraph, these last couple of paragraphs are great. This is in that Michael Bauman. Uh, says, I've been covering sports for a decade now, watching sports for longer than that, which means I know an insincere and unsatisfying apology when I see one. Even so, Crane and his players broke new ground on Thursday morning by apologizing, if you want to call it that, with so little force and credibility that their lack of effort was more offensive than the lack of integrity. And then he goes on to mention, you know, the incident that they had earlier in the year. Uh, they're very arrogant, and they've obviously had some, you know, organizational control issues and PR issues. And the franchise has seems like it has not even learned how to um, message effectively in the face of a crisis. And then what happens? You know, things come out of this, right? Pitcher Mike Bolsinger says the cheating Houston Astros changed the course of his career. He's suing the Astros. Mike Bolsinger, former Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Actually pitched for the Dodgers He uh, wants them to be held accountable Bolsinger filed a civil lawsuit in Los Angeles Superior Court on Monday Accusing the Astros of unfair business practices Negligence and intentional interference With contractual and economic relations Bolsinger is seeking unspecified damages But they're not all for himself This is from USA Today from Nancy Armour He wants the Astros to forfeit The roughly $31 million in bonuses from their ill-gotten World Series title And for the money to go to charities in Los Angeles Focused or bettering kids' lives As well as to create a fund for retired baseball players Who need financial assistance <laughs> And the Astros lit him up for four runs Four hits and three walks in a third of an inning 29 pitches to be exact In August 4th, 2017 in Houston Bol- um, By that time the nightmare of a night was over Bolsinger had been demoted And he's not pitched in the the major league since He said I don't think I've had a worse outing In my professional career It was like they knew what I was throwing They're laying off pitches they weren't laying off before It's like they knew what was coming That was the thought in my head that night I felt like I didn't have a chance Bolsinger was right The Astros did know what was coming According to the lawsuit There's video in a web application from an that was written by an Astros fan that, that documented every instance of trash can banging and found the most bangs took place in that August 4th, 2017 and the most bangs in the game came when Bolsinger was on the mound according to the lawsuit there were bangs on 12 of his 29 pitches 
This guy got cheated. He, you know what? He had, and there's a lot of players that are that are probably like this. You know, especially those bullpen pitchers or pitchers that are on the fringe that come up and down and up and down, and they come up for a spot start. You make one or two good starts, you're great. If not, a team could look at you and say, "Ah, oh, we gave him a shot, send you back down," and then never give you a shot. Especially if you're someone a little bit older, you don't have as much upside. He, he probably was never going to be an all star, but it, in baseball, it's all about you know, guys that are you know come off the streets can make it you know come out of the bullpen and be huge helps for you. It's, I, I don't think the Astros should have the World Series taken away from them. Or let, let's say this: I don't think anybody else should be awarded the World Series. As a Dodger fan, I don't want to be retroactively awarded it. How do you know the Dodgers would have beat the Yankees or who or whoever else they would have played in the World Series that year? Right? We don't know that. Not wouldn't be fair. I do think we some sort of what Bolsinger was talking about. There was every player on that Astros team that won earned. It's a bonus between four hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars for winning the World Series. They all got money that should have gone elsewhere. At the very least, Crane, the owner of the Astros, should make a donation with that amount to a massive charity to at least get some positivity out of this. Because that's the one thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is that people directly got money for cheating. I just feel like take take the World Series away. Don't award it to anyone those couple years, and we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. And now, now before we move on to uh, some basketball stuff, the thing that I find really interesting is now um, there was a tweet that came out earlier today from John Heyman, who covers baseball, and it basically says that the Red Sox aren't going to be implicated. For or let's see, okay. The report on the Red Sox is expected to come from MLB by the end of the month. The allegations against them are far less egregious than the ones that resulted in MLB's report and punishment in the Astros case. And then someone responds to that was far less egregious. This is going to be their second offense after being warned for the Apple Watch incident. Without harsh penalties to players and organizations, there's no deterrent. And we're talking about the the investigation from MLB This is the same MLB That just investigated the Astros And said they found no buzzers They found no wires They didn't know anything about the uh, decoding system That they had And the formulas And the um, the analytic, like the computer systems That they were using to decode the signs This was not normal They didn't know anything about any of that And this, I'm supposed to trust MLB When they say oh that the Red Sox didn't do much You know MLB like the ML, like MLB offices do not like this at all. They want this to get away. They want to be done with this and move on. They're hoping that this kind of they can get rid. It's funny in a weird way. It's good because people are talking about baseball, but they're talking about it in such a negative, negative way. They don't want everyone to find out that there was all this stuff going on right under their watch. You think they want it to come out that Boston was cheating to to, to win a World Series now too, and then your 2017 and 2018 champions are both completely bogus? They don't want that to come out And and if you think that Alex Cora Who is a part of all the cheating Went over there and then was completely squeaky clean And did nothing I think you're mistaken Now again what's what's difficult about these stories Is we're never going to truly know To what level any of this stuff Helped Didn't help whatever We know about the Astros Are we going to find out stuff like this about the Red Sox Who knows I mean 
we, remember, we didn't find stuff out because of MLB's investigation. We found stuff out because of the the reporting from like the Athletic and other places like that. Yeah, this is crazy. This is crazy stuff. Uh, let's do some. Uh, I could get keep going on this topic for a while. Next week, we're gonna do really big uh, baseball previews. We're gonna kind of deep uh, dive into. At least kind of seeing where the player movement went Some of the uh, win totals projections We'll start talking about teams that we like And uh, we'll start talking a little baseball Getting getting all, already close to baseball season Spring training And pitchers and catchers just reported NBA time All you NBA holes out there Bill Bill Simmons uh, I don't know if he coined that term But that's, that's where I heard it I, gotta, I always got to give uh, Bill Simmons props On that one all-Star Weekend coming up this weekend So we are more than halfway through the uh, the season And we have less than 30 games left for everyone What were some of the things that surprised you? What didn't surprise you? Next week we're going to bring on uh, Alex Regla And we'll talk with him about the Lakers And we'll kind of go through the, the first half of the season But some of the things that we, we saw the last couple um, nights and, and, and through the last week The Lakers are now uh, the Lakers and Bucks are the favorites to win the title um, at some sports books. So that's Caesars. Lakers are plus one eighty. Uh, Bucks plus two seventy five. Clippers plus three twenty five. And uh, there's only one other team with single digit odds. Uh, or the Clippers are the only other team with single digit odds at most sports books. So it's like Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, Rockets, Raptors, Celtics is what it looks like um, for kind of the order of of how teams are slotted. The Bucks have been incredible. Just their eight losses, they're forty six and eight. They have a twelve point one point differential. They are doing unbelievable things, historic type things, and they're kind of flying under the radar while they're doing it. And uh, what's what's going to be fun against about this year is we just don't know with any of these teams what it's going to be like come playoff time. Are they going to be able to to take it to the, uh, another level? Are they going to be teams that just get a little bit cold because they're shooting too many threes? They can't go inside or. Are the Lakers not going to be able to shoot enough threes? Are the Clippers not going to be big enough? Um, can you can Denver prove it? Can Giannis make a big three or make big free throws if need be? Uh, Toronto, do they have enough? Do they have like a, a a go-to when the game is on the line? Boston, are they maybe still a year type away with their young nucleus? Miami just made some changes. Are they going to be able to incorporate those players? Like, what's up with Philly? Um, you know, I think you look through the Western Conference and. You can look at Houston maybe as a team with the uh, they could get hot and maybe beat anybody in a series, but are they going to be able to to bang with you know their their depleted size now? They're just not a big team. They're going to try to stretch you out and run. Tons of questions this year. I mean, it is going to be a blast come playoff time. And you gotta you gotta talk about Zion. Uh, he has been incredible, and I I'm not and I still think you know it's obviously very early. He's played ten games. He has been better. In his first ten games, and I thought he was going to be like ever, and um, I, you know what, like like everything, when someone new comes in, it takes a little while. They get some film on you. These are good coaches, very good players, very good defenders, and they will figure out not to take everything away from you, but how to make everything a little bit more difficult. He had that great um, first game where he nailed the threes, but he's not going to be a three point shooter. That's going to be one of his weaknesses. And the free throws, you know, if you're gonna try to, you gotta try to force him to the line, and you gotta try to make turn him into a seventy plus percent free throw shooter. If he's like a sixty mid sixties free throw shooter, you know, you, you'll probably take that. But he's been incredible, 
In his 10 games, he's averaged 22 points a game, and he's only been playing 27 minutes a game because he's been on some minutes restrictions. And, you know, you look at his, his per 36 in, in those 10 games, he's at 29 points a game with um, just a, the 9.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and he's almost at a steal and a half a block. The defensive numbers will have to improve a little bit, and he's just a little bit different than, than what anyone's seen. So I am, whenever I'm. I'm wrong or I'm off. I'll always uh, I'll take the L. I'm gonna take the L so far on Zion because he's definitely better and he's more impactful right away than I thought he would be. I was just kind of worried about him being a tweener, and I think some of our concerns with him have will be the injury and durability and stuff like that, right? I think which has always been that first half of the first game he played. I was getting ready to say, man, he looks slow. He's not gonna be able to do it against this kind of athlete, but he is. His size, which a lot of people want to make it a negative for him, is actually a positive because he's a little bit too big when you go and too strong when you try to go small on him. And he's a little bit too fast and just really quick with quick move first step or quick, real quick movements if you try to go bigger on him. So a lot of people figured with him being a tweener might hurt. And again, this is very early on. I'm sure there's going to be some games and some teams where they can, you know, kind of focus in and, and make him struggle, but he feels like a guy who's always going to be able to get his, and he, he is he's excellent right now. Um, I just, I don't know if it's going to be enough this late in the season to propel the the Pelicans, because this Memphis Grizzlies team is 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won two in a row now. They're up to two games over 500, and they're four games up on Portland. They're five games up on the Spurs, and they're five and a half games up on the Pelicans. So uh, this Pelicans team would have to, you know, make up five and a half games on Memphis in the next 30 games, as well as leapfrog the Spurs and the Blazers. That's just a lot of work to have to do with, you know, less than 30 to go. Okay, let's introduce our first guest, Jeremy Balin. Um, we talked with Jeremy, cover the uh, the races. He is the content editor over at Bet America. He's a journalist. He's covered racing. You'll hear a lot from him at the beginning as he kind of talks about how uh, he got into racing and, and some of the different jobs that he's worked. But sharp handicapper, really knowledgeable guy. I love about Jeremy is he's just very honest and he'll, you know, whether it be positive, negative. And, you know, this conversation was a lot of handicapping. So we cover the. Fairgrounds, the last three races. We hit the Rachel Alexandra, and then we hit the both of the Risen Star races. So enjoy this interview with Jeremy Balin. It is a big weekend coming up over at Fairgrounds. So big that they actually had to split the Risen Star into two divisions. So race 12 and race 13 on Saturday are going to be worth major points and we're going to get to see a lot of three-year-olds trying to find out how good they really are very excited to welcome in someone that I can't believe I never have really had a conversation with but a lot of back and forth on on Twitter through the years and uh, covering racing and appreciate that you're just kind of a big sports fan in general so you talk baseball a lot and football a lot and someone who is an Eclipse Award winner and the current content editor over at Bet America Jeremy Balin. Jeremy, how's it going, buddy? Doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, doing great, man. Great. Really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and joining us. And um, it, was, uh, it was time to put your handicapping hat back on sometimes. You get to write pieces. You get to be journalists a lot of the time. And now you're the, you're the editor of a lot of the content over there. But now I want to – we're going to put the pressure on you for some handicapping uh, prowess this weekend. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little out of practice. It's been uh, – uh, it's been, gosh, almost – 
10 months uh, since I sort of stopped uh, stopped following horse racing on a closely on a day-to-day basis. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to dive in again. Okay. Well, before we get into the card, let's kind of introduce you a little bit to everyone else. So let's go through, how did you get into like horse racing in general? Take us through like how, where you got into sports. And I know you've covered more than just horse racing in different places. So give us a little bit of your background. Right. So I just grew up um, going to Hollywood park and um Santa Anita with my with my family and you know my dad's a big horse player my grandfather was a big horse player uh he's from Balt uh my dad's from Baltimore so he grew up going to Pimlico and Laurel and Charlestown and all those places um so uh yeah I've you know learned how to read a racing form uh pretty early on in my life and uh then when I um when I went to college for, for journalism, started covering more mainstream sports and started covering prep sports and, uh, you know, ran my own publication for a little while and then in San Francisco and then uh, started working for the Orange County Register. And when things started not going so great over there with layoffs and all that, uh, I was starting to think about what to do. Um, and I had covered Hollywood Park's last day, which was an important thing for me to do personally um and i had sort of dabbled in racing um because in or you know los al had just uh expanded their racetrack and the register was sort of looking for somebody who knew anything about racing um and that was a big sort of transition time in in southern california so uh it wasn't great early on <laughs> um <laughs> But I uh, made a lot of stupid mistakes that are kind of funny funny now. But um, eventually built, built up and covered that first meet there and built up some coverage. And one day just sent my resume over to Blood Horse. And uh, a few months later, uh, somebody retired and they needed somebody to cover the West Coast. And that all happened. So that was kind of a strange way that all, that all worked out. But uh, yeah, that's kind of everything in a nutshell. Yeah, and it's been in in you know, up and down, you know, couple years, and it's for like everybody covering racing and and everybody, a lot of people in racing with um with, with some of the the things and the struggles that have been going on and some of the issues at Santa Anita and just kind of date dates dwindling things there. And one thing that um I just for everyone that that doesn't know you, and then I the one reason why I really started to kind of admire you and follow along and kind of uh keep an eye on everything that you would write and what you would discuss is. In horse racing, there's not really a whole lot of um, like journalist types. There's people that kind of just give you report information, uh, and they kind of just um, you know they'll get they'll get information from connections. And and you were you were kind of a little bit different in that. And that's one thing that I think I've always applauded you uh, for is that whether it was going to be um, a topic that was you know controversial or not, you were always going to be. Um, kind of honest, give your forthright opinion and, you know, research it the best that you can and just try to get the best information out there. And, and that was awesome. Like, I think for someone who covers sports, like that's, that's covers anything that that's what you strive to do. And I've always appreciated that. So, uh, just, just before we get into, into the handicapping there, that's something that I've always admired about you. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, that's sort of, this is a whole nother story, but that sort of led to where I am now. <laughs> so, um, a lot of that attitude, um, you know, quite frankly is not, uh, 
supported in a lot of corners of yep. industry, industry media or yeah. the industry in general. Well, especially a small one. Right. Because everybody knows each other. You know, it's different. Like, in a, you know, in football or baseball, if a quarterback says something, throws a pick, you can call him out. If, you, if you're if you like a, a, a face and you talk bad about a jockey, you're going you're gonna to hear about it. You know, and it's just a small kind of niche where everybody knows everybody. And they, they just if you're a little it's not even negative. If you're just a little bit critical, there's always like a real mixed reaction. And, and that's frustrating as a fan, which is what we are. You know, we're fans and customers more than anything before. Like you said. Right. We got we got into this game going to the track with our dads and and having them play two bucks on the horse for us that we like you know and and, and that's so we're all the fans and the customers before anything else. It is it is very um, different from covering like a major sports beat mm-hmm. where you're where a lot of times you're I mean you're sort of one of a large crowd. Yep. Say say if you're on a pro beat or something like that. Like there was a lot of times where stuff would go down and the next morning I'd be face to face with somebody and they'd be pretty pissed off at me. Um, <laughs> but, but my, my contention through, through all of it, through what, four years with blood horse and, and, and before that was, you know, if you, if you want to be treated like a, a major league sport, then you sort of have to take all that. Yes. Like you have to behave and understand. Sure. Like in other sports, people get mad at the, at the media but um, it's uh, it, the the uh, proximity of everybody in racing and the the bubble is is, is certainly a, a unique aspect that um, I grew to <laughs> understand uh, uh, pretty quickly. So before we uh, get to fairgrounds, last thing. So what what besides racing? Like rank your uh, your your sporting interests, like teams you root for, or sports that you're interested in, that you're watching, you know, as much as possible. Oh boy, it's changed so much. Um, I mean, growing up, I was the only team I was really a huge fan of was the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was like a ten year MLB TV uh, you know, subscriber. I would watch ninety percent of their games. And I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to do it this year, yeah. <laughs> or last year, and I don't really see that that changing. No. I, I don't know whether I've changed or baseball has changed, both or, probably. Or um, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I mean, the the fact that the team that I love is absolutely horrendous doesn't help. Yeah. Um, also, just watching, I would just watch regular baseball games, you know, on a on a weekday or weekend and it just doesn't doesn't happen anymore so that i mean i barely watch any any baseball in the playoffs um and then i'll be and then horse racing happened (laughs) and that was pretty much my entire focus so i used to love watching and betting on college football and that was suspended for a good three or four years um but i'm sort of back in that rhythm again nice College football is my top. I, I love college football. I'll watch any level, you know, at, at just if it's on TV, I'll watch it. And did you get did you get a look at the XFL at all this last weekend? I've seen like little clips and stuff on on Twitter, but I just can't I can't bring myself to, to yeah, watch it. These few these next week or two will be interesting because I was it's kind of like threw on in the background, you know. I was like, okay, I'm curious. The one thing that I was kind of impressed with was how serious ESPN and Fox, like the coverage of it was like, they took it very seriously. They had like, you know, like their B level crews covering it, legitimate announcers that cover NFL. They had sideline reporters and everything. So I was kind of surprised like, wow, they're taking this pretty seriously. 
And um, it came off good, but it's like that's how always how something new is. That first week, people kind of tune in just to see what it's like. It's going to be weeks two and three and and four. It's like are people going to really um, be tuning in again these next few weeks? So we'll see if the the level of play is. But you know, like you said, football football is fun. We're going to have to get you back on then when uh, come college time, and we'll we'll go through a a, a Saturday slate or two uh, and break some games down. Sure. Let's get into the races now. Let's go to fairgrounds for Saturday. We're going to talk about the final three races on the card So it's going to be first the grade two Rachel Alexandra And then we'll talk about the two split divisions of the Risen Star there So not a, a deep or huge field here in the Rachel But what we get is we get the return of your undefeated two-year-old Philly champ British Idiom who won the Breeders' Cup, won the Alcibiades She's going to be making her first start since November This is a race that they had circled And they've been pointing to for quite some time She's going to hook a a really sharp Finite who just won over the racetrack Is looking for her fifth in a row Uh, And then you have you know Some horses coming out of that same race who are not far Behind Um, What do you what do you do uh, to start I guess in here with with British idiom This is the race that I on the whole Card that I just didn't eliminate Anybody Mm -hmm. I I just I'm not sure exactly how the race shape is going to look. I'm not sure, you know, with British Idiom coming off of a off of that layoff. And there's some, you know, I use I use optics a little bit, and there were some weird things in in that um, as to how she sort of fits in the race. But she's definitely run the fastest races, as far as I can tell. But I mean, how can you knock what what Finite has done? Yeah, you know. Especially with that, with that last race for her, and maybe a little bit short off the layoff, or and just my thought goes to you know, could this horse take another step forward in the second race off of the layoff? Which I actually think is a big, a big angle for this whole card. There's a lot of horses yes. who I thought got uh, either fit in their last races. Or a possible bounce with a big performance off of a layoff that might regress second time. So, um, I think that finite is going to take a step forward. So, taking a step forward second off a layoff versus a horse making a first start off a layoff. You know, I'm going to lean that way um, in this race. But I, I just nothing would surprise me in in that race. Yeah. What What'll be interesting is what's going to happen down on the inside because. Ursula and His Glory both came out of the Silver Bullet Day That was won by Finite And Ursula was on the lead that day She broke a little bit better His Glory was actually asked for speed But could only kind of sit second Now they draw the rail And the blinkers are on They're going to really be forced from down inside If those two hook up Then then you're going to Then I think, it, it, I think it'll hurt Finite a little bit And maybe she gets caught Kind of tracking a little too close And I'm I'm content with From a complete win standpoint If you want to take a shot against British Idiom If she gets bet down a little too low If you think that you know this isn't The the, the game plan This is not what, what they have to be completely Cranked for today Then I, I kind of get to tempers rising A little bit in here I, I think this one is interesting We know, we know what almost every Dallas Stewart horse is going to do They're going to drop back, they're going to make one late run They're going to always pick up a slice It's like it's very consistent and I feel like, you know, even even impeccable style who's going to be stretching out won't be too far out of it. If those three horses are kind of pressing a little bit and then you have finite sitting pretty close, then it might set up pretty nicely for tempers rising and, and probably even British idiom. And then maybe tempers rising just 
being a little more fit and and having raced more recently can get the better of British idiom. But you know, see what see what we did there. I mentioned everyone, and I'm not even mentioning Squiz Skydiver, who's already kind of a buzz horse coming you know off that late rally, um, off of a, a couple good races over at Churchill. So this is a this is a, a race that you know with this time of the year is fun because you have these horses that right now any one of these horses can step forward, can develop, and you know and become a major player on on the Oaks Trail. And and I think from you're absolutely right from a value standpoint. Tempers Rising was my second choice. I mean, I just like Finite better. Just sure, I like her better. But she's going to be you know a you know probably more than or less than half the price. And um, but I also think that that impeccable style coming off of that that sprint where I thought she was pretty close to the pace. I think she might show more speed. So maybe mm-hmm. even. Causes more of a of a setup for tempers rising. Yeah, so at least a horse to use in in some of your exotics. However, you're playing this race. Like if you're playing with if you're playing finite, because I I do like the fact. I think it's a huge plus that finite drew the outside with with her running style because she would be the type of filly that I think if she was drawn down towards the the inside or like in between the speeds, then maybe she ends up getting caught up in it. But right. she's actually become like she's she's maturing. She's getting a little bit better. She's able to sit. Like I remember trying to beat her last time because I thought kind of similar and I'm going to keep trying to do it most most likely if she's a short price all the way through. But uh but the outside I think is a big benefit for her. Who do you think will be favored? Y- you know I I think it's going to be really close. I would I think I would still lean British Idiom, but I I I think it'll be really really close because I these are think- yeah, these are two quality. I, I I would be surprised if there's like a, a major difference between the two of them. And that'll probably give us that'll probably give us, you know, the 5 6 to 1 on Tempers Rising if you're looking for a shot against those two or maybe you want to, you know, pick one of those two and and hook them up with Tempers Rising and some of the late pick four or late exotics or however you're going to approach it. But uh yeah, to me, I think th- those three, obviously, um, based on the way that I'm seeing the race shape up, they're kind of all drawn to the outside. They kind of all have the opportunity to maybe sit off the inside horses. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to the first of the two Risen Stars. You know, I thought I thought this one was much more um, competitive. The depending on if you like a new door in the la- in the thirteenth, that might be a little bit more of a, a better betting race, but. There were a lot of horses I thought out of the Lecompte that you could make a case for, and sometimes that's dangerous when you can make it. You know, a couple have, have excuses, or, or, or but I, I feel like there were you know horses that all ran pretty well. Then you have the two horses that come out of the uh, the allowance race, the Digital and Blackberry Wine race. Um, this this is obviously a deep group, and, and you have another one in, in race number thirteen. So kind of a take the lead on this one a little bit. Where do you start? I think that the, the the out of that Lecompte, I think you're right that that there are key trips in there that you know don't look great on paper, and um, I think the place to start is Silver Silver State. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's going to break like he did this last time, and I don't think he wants to be that f- as far back as he was in, in that last in that last race. I, it's I think that he gets really the perfect trip. Behind sort of a weird pace complexion up front, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, of heat on, at, uh, on the front end. Um, but uh, so that would be one. And then I, you know what? I can't help it but give Scabbard another shot. Yeah, because, because 
the trip was so bad. It, it just, was. It was so bad, and you he know, just had no shot. I mean, he just had absolutely nowhere to go for right. a ton of the race. He got squeezed out of a spot. He was shuffled back, and he was. And he, he's when you're in like the third flight, and you're behind like wall of horses, and then another wall of horses, and you're just at the mercy of everybody in front of you. It, it was, you know, now. The Silver State trip was a, a a tough trip too. You know, it's bobble. You know, at the start, settled. You're you're like in ninth. He's like eight lengths off of it, and he's three deep. And like you mentioned, I just don't think he wants to be or needs to be even close to that far back. And he makes a huge six. He's like six wide and in between horses. So it's like as far as trips are concerned, I think either of those are are very playable coming off their trips last time out. W- what do you think of the winner uh, of the LeCompton Forcible? I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't all that impressed with the 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 two starts he had before that. So, I mean, did everything set up for him perfectly in that race? Yeah. I I mean, I don't. I'm not positive, but you know, seven to two on a deep closer with that many horses. I mean, what are the odds that he's going to get sort of not only the setup but a perfect path through again? And so. I'm going to side with a horse like Silver State or Scabbard because, I mean, look at, I, I keep going back to Scabbard because, like, even if you look at his Iroquois way back, like, he had problems there. He had problems in LeCompte. The juvenile, I completely toss out. Yeah, that race, track, we just don't know. Who knows, right? So, I mean, what price is he going to be? Is he going to get a little bit of steam again or have people given up? I mean, it, well, it feels like there's enough horses that that had kind of like we said trips that you can make a case for to where he might not just be like the only trip horse that gets over bet. Right. So you you're right. You could get because like I, I agree. Enforceable things went well for him in that he just didn't really have to kind of like start and stop. He got a smooth trip where a lot of horses were kind of shifting around, altering course. They they weren't like just able to get that nice momentum moving kind of trip. I like I actually picked Enforceable in one of my uh, in a fantasy league that I play in, and I like him as a horse continuing down the line just because he can run all day, and I think he'll be a nice horse and continue to pick up pieces in a lot of these races. But I definitely don't think he has to win this race in here, and I think there are a lot of, a lot more of these horses that you just like the ones you mentioned, Silver State with upside. You have Scabbard who you can make a case for off the trip again. I mean, I thought Mister Monomoy. Ran ran really well um, in in the race too because he was one of the few horses that was kind of up close and he was kind of sitting in and he was tucked in and he didn't really have room and and then he was kind of waiting and then he ducked down to the inside but by the time he got down there enforceable had already kind of rolled up and, and and didn't have to stop or alter course he he's one with you know upside that you can make a case for the two horses that come out of the optional claiming race digital and blackberry wine that race was pretty quick. Um, you know, and they got big figures coming out of that race too for running one two. So, I I'm from just a betting standpoint, especially if Enforceable gets a little bit of money, you know, off of that win, I'm completely fine with with kind of playing against him and looking for others in here. And, and Blackberry Wine might be as good as people think he is, but I just in a field like this, yeah, off of on the same right, they ran the same day. It's a completely different race. What were there, like five or six horses in the Blackberry Wine race? Yeah. I, I just, like, sure, it was faster than the Lecomte, but, like, what is that? I, I don't know what that means. And he's going to have to deal with the horse, like, ready to roll, who's really quick. In a big field like this, you're always going to get some other speed. Like, Shusha Shake Me Up is really, really fast. You're not going to have uh, Mr. Monomoy being too far out of it. So, it, like, Blackberry Wine's one of those who, if he wins... 
like really close to or on the lead and he deals with all that pressure, I'm just going to kind of be impressed and he can kind of do it without my money. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, it just doesn't that first level dirt after all those turf. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. That five to one, no thing. Okay. Let's, uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I have silver state and Mr. Monomoy as like my, my top two. And I actually had scabbard third. And then like, you know, if I'm playing tries or supers or something like that, I'll throw enforceable in, in, in there with them. But yeah, scabbard, you know, an interesting price. I think one horse just to mention that I, I might try to sneak in somewhere is moon over Miami who, you know, I, I really like the aqueduct race. And then at Gulfstream last time out, he was a step slow and then he got pushed into the seven path going into the first turn. He ended up like, Seventh and he was way out of it And he just really had no chance um, Chasing New York traffic Who we're going to see in the the second um, Division of the Risen Star I think It's a little intriguing at least That Mott puts him in this spot So I, you know he I could sneak him Into some of my exotics Yeah and, and Farmington Road what well, Didn't look all that competitive when they faced Off the first time so no. um, Yeah yeah I, I have a much better read on this race than I do on the next race. I'll yes, I, I kind of feel the same way here because you know you start with the horse who is going to be the, the likely heavy favorite in here, a new door who was your runner up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and was the runner up in the Low South Futurity. You know, really good efforts in in both of those starts. But now you're going to ship over to Fairgrounds um, over a horse who hasn't really had to travel. We'll see what that what that'll do. And I. I mean, from just a, a pure wagering standpoint, in a field like this, I absolutely am going to take a shot against, you know, on the win end, a new door. But, and and there are some some horses that really do have upside, but they're all they're going to have to to need to take a step forward. So, yeah, what's your kind of overview on on this? Ugh. I mean, the the horse that jumps out to me is Mailman Money, but yeah. Uh... I don't have a ton of confidence that that those those races were all that. I mean, off the turf race, those are running against turf horses. Like, what does that what did that really mean the last time out? And um, you know, I just a new Dior. I mean, blinkers blinkers on. Maybe that'll help, but maybe it won't. Maybe that's just him. Maybe he wants to run up on horses and not go by. So yeah, it's tough. It, yeah. It just, it's a really, really tough race, but the the my big, the only horse that I would really be willing to bet at the morning line odds, which I actually just glanced at, I handicapped without looking at the morning line odds, which which is good most of the time. Yeah, but, I, I always love to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, eight to one, I think that's the best value for me in that race. I just everybody else is, whew, yeah, I don't, I, huh. I have Mr. Money or Mailman, Mailman Money, uh, Mailman Money in in the second spot here. I I think Major Fed is is worth a look. You know, you look at his debut race and it's in the slop, and he's chasing Gold Street. A couple of next out winners, Gold Street, who's actually won three races in a row, a couple stakes we know over at at Oaklawn, and then you stretch out and Major Fed's a li- uh, a little bit slow, but he's tucked in nicely going into the turn. And he he's kind of in between horses and he waits and he takes back and he angles around. It was a really good, like learning type trip. And, and then he crushed that group. I think he with another step forward is is one that I would use. So I'm kind of playing against a new door, and I probably use like three or four of the upside horses 
Absolutely mailman money makes sense to me um, Lynn's map I might be able to excuse his last race Just in the in the slop He's in chase mode Chasing Gold Street Sometimes it's not just the easiest spot to be in And and then maybe if you want to go a little deeper Or look for a price I thought Mr. Big News Maybe you know you can kind of make excuses For a couple of it, the, the first few starts Or sprint race In a productive race And then his second and third time out He's in the slop and then last time out, finally gets a, a fast track and able to put it all together. So um, yeah, I just I'm kind of with you. I felt like the twelfth race I had a lot more fun handicapping. Like I could I could make a case for or land on five or six different horses in there based on what price they were. This one was was much tougher to have like a real strong opinion. Right. It, it, well, what's weird for me is that I like a, ha- a group of horses in the first leg, and I don't really like it. <laughs> yeah. No, like, you're right. So it, it, it's like sort of confusing for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just don't like all these ho- coming out of all these horses coming out of maiden races. I just don't. Uh, they haven't done much. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But, There's only what a couple multiple winners in this field, and we just don't know a whole lot about about them. And even though even the horse that we do know the most about, it, it, still much to be skeptical with for a new door. I'm sure we'll take a stand against a new door and he'll win by seven lengths. So. Right in the winner's circle. We just put him <laughs> right in the winner's circle. So, yeah, the, it was, it was uh, you know, for someone who's out here in Southern California, seeing this many horses show up for a graded stakes race so that they had to split into two huge fields, I, I'm always uh, uh, happy to be able to handicap um, this kind of a, uh, these kind of races. So, Jeremy, man, I, it was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and, and talking some from fairgrounds. And we'll have to do this uh, a, a little more often. We can talk about different things in horse racing, or uh, um, when the uh, the Orioles shock the world and <laughs> uh, and bring you back in, we'll we'll, we'll talk that and uh, or anything that's going on. You're you're a great follow. Let the folks know um, where we can find you and uh, and some of your work. Uh, yeah, just on Twitter at at Jeremy Balin, J E R E M Y B A L A N. Awesome, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend, buddy. Thanks. That was Jeremy Balin. We'll be right back here in just a minute on That's What G Said. A big thanks to Jeremy. We're going to have to have him back on, uh, talk a little uh, Baltimore Orioles, and we'll talk some college football, as he said, and then uh, we'll have him come on for, for some racing talk. Uh, Love that conversation. It was nice to get a chance to uh, to talk to Jeremy. We're going to have another conversation coming up with our NBA Jam winner. So if you don't understand, if you follow me on Twitter, on social media, go ahead right now. If you're not uh, on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, facebook.com slash Gino Bacola. I love to interact with all of you out there. And I want to try to continue to make you more and more a part of the show with, you know, anything that's on your mind each week. Is there a topic in sports that you want to, you know, voice your opinion on? Or do you have any... Wagers to share with us as Any sporting event or horse race or anything at all So I'll post Before all the weekend shows I'll usually post on either Wednesday or Thursday And I'll I'll ask for your Thoughts Okay, hey, who, who do you like? Who are you going to bet this weekend? And if you give me a winner that show There's one Next week, if you give me a winner on the next show That'll be two and you're heating up And then if you give me a third consecutive winner Three in a row, you are on fire That means you get to come on for a segment on the show and we can talk about you know whatever your plays are for that next weekend. We can introduce you to everyone. We can uh, just kind of get a little background and uh, and give you a a segment to uh, to shine here on that's what G said. And Mike was our first NBA Jam winner. You actually remember Mike? He was on with us uh, a couple months back, 
and we talked to some football. We talked some horse racing. So this week we catch up with Mike. We just do a little introduction, and then we break down the late pick four races at the fairgrounds. So enjoy the discussion with Mike Gagliano. We're going to get there with uh, the discussion to Mike immediately following this quick commercial break. So don't go anywhere. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. So if you're following along on social media, you can follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, over on Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola. Um, I like to try to get the the fans, the listeners, all of you out there because, you know, this is that's what G said. I'll interview people, but there's no real co-host. So you are all of my co-hosts, and we're going out now, and we're looking for um, you to, to give us your best bets for the weekend or your best plays. And we're going to do things like NBA Jam. If you If you get one – you know, that's a winner. If you get two, you're heating up. If you get three, you're on fire. You get to come on That's What G Said and host a segment, and we'll give out some plays for the next show. And the first ever NBA Jam winner that give us three consecutive winning bets on three consecutive shows in a row was a past guest of That's What G Said and uh, someone who's actually going to be starting up his own podcast very soon, and that's Michael Gagliano. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. 
Glad, glad, hey man, that was a that was a nice little run there with the with your winners. You were spot on, and it seemed like you it seemed like you had a pretty good feel for the football playoffs through the through the playoffs. It seemed like most games and most weeks you were pretty you had a good gauge of of how things went. Yeah, I got you know, like I said, I'm I'm a big Green Bay fan, so I kind of watched that NFC Championship game closely, and I knew that if Kansas City could get a lead. Garoppolo would struggle, so when, that's when I made my pick of KC and the under. I knew right away I was going to nail it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was solid, man. An unfortunate way to end the season for Green Bay, but you know what? They it, it, your first year with the new coach, there were a lot of positives. This team has a lot of opportunity to improve and get a little bit better. You probably need a, another playmaker or two, and some some rooms for some places for improvement. But all in all, when you're uh, one of the final four, you can't really be saying it's a terrible season. Exactly. I'm proud of my team. We, you know, first year head coach. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for any more to be like one of the final two teams in the NFC was mind boggling to me. So, like I said, very proud and eager to see where we go next year. So now that football's over um, right now, well, well, actually, what I really like about you and we have conversations back and forth is it seems like you're pretty well versed in all sports. And, and you know, we've talked college basketball. We've talked uh, NBA basketball. Um, you know, there, there's all all sorts of different conversations we've had. Where does your focus go to right now with no football? Um, I'm kind of I'm, I'm focused on the Pelicans right now. Um, yeah, playing the, well. The Zion craze is is phenomenal. I went to his first game oh, when wow. he came back against nice. the Spurs. That was quite, when he hit uh, those four threes. That was incredible. Yeah. yeah, the crowd the crowd was nuts. Um, and then I've been keeping up with LSU basketball, eighteen and six, top of the SEC, three way tie right now with Kentucky and Auburn for the SEC lead. So that's my two main focuses right now. And uh, and a big big weekend coming up at. Uh, one of the racetracks that you head to uh, quite a bit, and that's the fairgrounds. This is a really, really good card. It was so damn good, Mike. They had to split the Risen Star into two races, and they got two. Like these two Risen Star races are better. Each one is better than most of the other prep races you'll see at any other track. So, I mean, they have full fields, and there are plenty of opportunities this weekend to make some money at fairgrounds. You're right about that. I mean, anytime you have to split your biggest race. And the two fields, I think we had 21 pre-entered for the Risen Star. Um, and if you remember, if you remember, uh, War Will came out this race uh, last year. So, uh, you know, Fairgrounds is known for providing big winners and they do well with um, prior stakes from that. So it's, I'm eager to see what happens from these races. So let, let's jump into uh, Fairgrounds and we're going to mainly tackle the, the last part of the card with uh, starting in race 10. We'll go through races 10, 11, 12, and 13 and kind of get a, an overview on, on some of your plays. So the 10th race is the Fairgrounds. It is a grade three, mile and an eighth. You have a real fun local horse who's been excellent uh, at Fairgrounds and that's Synchrony, who's probably the horse you have to kind of start with when you're talking about this race. So how do you approach this race? Who are some of the horses that you, that you may use in the late pick four? I like Synchrony um, a lot. I mean, he won the lace last year, finished third in the turf in the moment Murez last year as well. Uh, I mean, four to four of his five wins on the turf at Fairgrounds He's four or five. Um, on the turf at the fairgrounds. Um, what else? 19% on the turf. Mike Stidham, top three and 19 of 25 starts. So I think that's going to be my top pick. Um, I like Don't Blame Rocket, Leperu, and Cassie. He won the Colonel Bradley's three for five on the turf at the fairgrounds. Uh, seven of 13, lifetime on the turf. 
Um, he's nine to two on the morning line, 98 buyer last time out. Um, and then for my long shot special, I'll give you his local connection. His leading jockey, Mitchell Moore. I like sailing solo at a price, 20 to one. Um, three for seven on the turf at fairgrounds. Uh, Louis Russell's, uh pretty good off the layoff, second off the layoff, 23%. I think he can get early speed. If sailing solo can get early on the lead, I think he can maybe go gate to wire possibly at a price. So just keep an eye on him, including the exotic. So I like. Synchrony, don't blame Rocket and Sailing Solo for the Fairgrounds Grade Three Race Ten at Fairgrounds. Yeah, and you know, I, I like what you're what you're doing with your price play here because when when you're throwing a, a long shot in in one of the exotics, you want to get a horse that's going to at least give you a little run for your money. And and you know, sometimes you're playing a if if we're playing a twenty one shot or a a bomb who's got no speed, you can tell really early on that you just got no shot. A horse like mm-hmm. this. It's great because you're going to be in the race. You're going to be in the race, and if nobody else gets brave, or if you know they, they a lot of times the riders will go, okay, there's a fifteen twenty to one shot out front. We'll let this one cruise. This is absolutely a horse who can, at the very least, hit your trifecta and really spice things up. That's right. I re- and I really love the horse. I mean, recently he's won three of his last four starts. Uh, and, you know, and at the distance as well, mile sixteenth. Um, at Hawthorne on the turf, and then a mile 16th at uh, Arlington on the turf, and then a mile race. So, I mean, he only finished five lengths back, a Don't Blame Rocket, in the Colonel Bradley. And, I mean, that the, the horse can only improve, you know? So. so that's race number 10 there, which is the start of that late pick four sequence. We move into race number 11, and it is the grade two Rachel Alexandra. We're going to see the champ from last year, the two-year-old champ British Idiom, who won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. She's going to be making her first start of the year. And and then we have a really sharp finite who's looking for her fifth race, uh, her fifth win in a row. And then you have the, the horses who ran right behind finite who were just beaten by her, but but only by a neck in Ursula and in Tempers Rising. A couple new faces with Impeccable and Swiss Skydiver. This is a fun race to sink your teeth into. Yeah, I'm going to go with the top pick. I think I'm going to put Finite on top, just because I don't know how British Idiom is going to come out being off that long yep. layoff. Um, Santana Asmussen it won the Silver Bullet Day. Three wins at, a, at the route a mile and up. Two to one on the morning line, so I'm going to make that my top pick. I'm a British item last. Javier Castellano coming in from Gulfstream Park for the day. Um, I mean, the horse speak for itself. Three for three lifetime. Eight to five on the morning line. The juvenile Philly win. I just, I'm, 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 I'm unsure about the track. Fairgrounds is, is the, the, the stretch is brutal. I do not know how that's um, that West Coast form will transfer. That is a long ride for a horse, and I'm, I'm just not unsure. And then for my long shot exotics, I like Tempers Rising. Um, the recent form is good. Like you said, it lost by a neck, um, in the, um, silver bullet day stake six to one, all four route races are in the money. And then it lost by a neck. I believe Yeah, it lost by a neck in the silver bullet day stakes. Like I said, six to one Dallas Stewart for Julian Leperu. Yeah. I, I like her last start too. And it looks like, I think, you know, Ursula has got some speed. His glory, who draws the rail and then adds the blinkers, they're probably going to have show a little bit more speed, even more than they showed last time out. 
If those two are pushing each other Impeccable style has a little bit of speed Coming out of uh, some sprint races They might be pushing each other So it, it could set up pretty well for those the, the outside horses I, I think the three that you mentioned Finite can sit the trip British Idiom who might You know she might be the best down the line but this this isn't you know the the race that they have circled and they're that they're pointed for you know it, for them it's the Kentucky Oak so this could be just like you're right this could just be a prep that you know she might be a little bit short in here if I'm gonna look for a horse to play to win I think it would be for me behind uh, between Finite and Tempers Rising depending on you know what the prices are and 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 who who you're looking for because Finite feels like she's gonna sit a really nice trip there on the outside and and she's just really sharp so you have uh, yeah Finite on top of British Idiom and then Tempers Rising. Yes, sir. Yes. Those are the three in race number 11. So now we get to race number 12, which is the first of the two Risen Stars. And you have a lot of uh, the LeCompte horses in, in the first of the two, which is race number 12 in here. The winner of the LeCompte Enforceable comes right back. The runner up, Silver State, comes right back. The third place finisher, Mr. Monomoy, comes right back. You also have Shake Me Up, who is in there. Who returned so uh, Scabbard who had a little bit of trouble who was in there So you have a bunch of horses coming out of that same race Coming back Digital and Blackberry Ryan ran against each other In a, like an optional claiming race And they were 1-2 This is a, a race where you can really um, You know make a case for many horses Because these are these young up and coming Improving horses Yeah I mean it, it is It's really I mean just the You have 20 to 1 shots That won two races in a row I mean the race is just I wouldn't be shocked to see a price in any of the last two races because it's just so stacked and a lot of up and coming stars on the horizon. Yeah, so um, in the twelfth, it's I guess we'll start with Enforceable because he won the LeCompte. Um, wh- what do you think of Enforceable and who are some of the horses that you're going to be using uh, on, on your plays? My top pick is Mister Monomy. Yeah, um, six to one. I like the early speed. Palace Malice out of a Palace Malice. I finished third. I, I, I thought they needed the race. Um, Fulon, Giroux, Brad Cox, they're so lethal when it comes to fairgrounds and big for stakes race, especially Brad Cox. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the figures. I mean, you lost by a head and a slop, finished third. Um, but I th- like I said, you, you know, he kind of went three wide and he chased. And I, I just think that race, it, it set him up good um, for this race because I, I think that was a prep. Obviously, it was a prep, but I, I think this is their bigger picture race. Um, so I really, you know, you look at the works, 48 and 1, four furlongs on the February 8th, uh, 48 and change on uh, February 1st. So the recent works are phenomenal, in my opinion. Uh, I think I think he's going to come off the pace, uh, one run, and then and then blow by. I wouldn't be surprised to see him win two, three lengths, Mr. Monomy, my top pick. Mr. Monomy, we're we're in some trouble because we're together here too, Mr. Monomy. I, I, I like so we're going to be yelling and screaming for Mr. Monomy. Yeah, I think what's nice about about him is he's got he's got a little bit of like positional speed to where you know he can put himself close and he can maybe get the jump on the horse like Enforceable or maybe Scabbard or some of these deep closers, even Silver State who might not be um, might not be. Able to sit like Mr. Monomoy can uh, I just think he's ready to take a nice step forward here So Mr. Monomoy for me, uh, I'd agree um, After Mr. Monomoy, who are some of the others that you're looking at? I'm going to go with the LeCompte winner Enforceable next um, You know, he, he came off the pace uh, Kind of kind of sad he was eighth at the stretch 
and they made their big run. I do fairgrounds is is nice for a horse like this. I don't know how he will fare in the Derby or or even like that. I think he may be a Belmont horse, um, but I do like Enforceable here for Laparou and Mark Cassie. Um, and then also underneath, I'm going to use Silver State, who finished second by a length and a half in the Lecomte. Uh, you know, this connection speak for itself. I like um, I like the you know kind of comes off the pace as well. So I think him and Enforceable will be there as well. But like I said, I just think they're going to be chasing Mr. Monomoy. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised Mr. Monomoy runs away with this because I'm just very very high on this horse. Mr. Monomoy, hopefully making us a little money in race number 12 at the fairgrounds. And then we move to the 13th, which is the final race on Saturday. And it's the second of the Risen Star races. The favorite in this race will be a new door who was good in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, who was good in the Low South Futurity, was runner up both of those days. And, and then after you get a, away from a new door, you can really. You know, get prices if you're able to beat this one, or if you're able to, you know, find a little value underneath. So, um, who are some of the the players for you in this thirteenth? I like Noah Dior, obviously, and, uh, the favorites. It's, you know, Son of Manag Dioral, um, photo, you know, photo finish in in in, in two of the races. Uh, Rosario for Blaine Wright, kind of a newest jockey. Um, I mean, newest trainer, kind of on the horizon. So, I think you got to keep an eye out for that one. But I'm, my top pick is Modernist. Um, Junior Alvarado for Bill Mott Love the race that uh, Aqueduct on the 25th uh, Won by Fullens, broke its maiden um, The mod- Modern Dan uh, Symbolic uh, Half to Life is Sweet Who won the 2009 Ladies Classic Champ um, So I, I just really love the connections here I love the horse, I think it's going to come off the pace And it could actually go to the lead And steal it, so I like my top pick Modernist Junior Alvarado for Bill Mott, the one horse. And I believe it's eight to one on the morning line. Yeah, you get a good draw too, because I I, I think he showed a little speed last time out, and it's nice to have, you know, to to know you have options. But I think I think you're right. I think they probably will sit a little bit in here from the inside, maybe let one or two of the speeds go. You can just kind of save all the ground and sit behind them. And w- w- it's nice when you, you start stretching out these distances. Knowing that a horse can win going a mile and an eighth and can win going this far is always a big plus, right? Because we know a lot mm-hmm. of these horses don't want to go this far. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, you look at a horse like Liam's Lucky Charm, for example. That's one of my other top picks. Like Zayas for Ralph Nix coming in, has never run at the distance, but won seven furlongs going away. by five, You know, won the Pasco Stakes at Tampa by five and a half lengths. Also defeated Chanson, who won, if you remember, the Mucho Macho Man. At Gulfstream. Yep. Um, and those two finished third, 17 and three fourth lengths ahead of the third place finisher in that race. Um, so, I mean, you could look at a horse like Liam's Lucky Charm. What, what, what's he going to do? He's never, he's never ran around, you know, a, a track like this. So it, it, it's a very intriguing race. Um, I do like as well, um, let's see, I've got my notes with me as well. I do like Anor Diora. I just it's a lot of question marks, you know, when it comes to this race. I mean, you could I think it would be an all burger for me. If if I had to if I was playing the late the late pick for this would be an all for me. Well, especially because the way that you could set it up, you love Mr. Monomoy right before that. That could be a horse you build your tickets around there or or maybe even just Mr. Monomoy and one other, and then you can really spread out in here. You know, you mentioned Synchrony as another horse earlier on. So the way that the late races are setting up. It actually kind of gives you the opportunity to really spread out in this last race if you feel the need. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I'll give you one more price too as a bonus. I literally like Lynn's map. I was high on Lynn's map. Yeah, yeah you were. In the Lecomp, um, it scratched. It went to the Smarty Jones. It caught a muddy track. It finished fifth. Corey Lannery comes in. He won on her in a slop of mile 70 uh, on December 19th. I, I, you know, Mark Cassie, he, he, I think, you know, enforceable one in Lacan. Why not Lens Map here? So, like I said, I think this is an all. And if you can get if you can get to this last race, a pick four could pay really, really well. Yeah, you, you had been high on Lens Map. And I, I think you can completely excuse that last effort, too, because that was the, the racetrack that day that was playing really speed favoring. And Lynn's map was kind of in chase mode Which is sometimes the, the the worst place to be in When there's one horse out in front of you And you're trying to chase them And trying to press them Because it, it'll help the, the horses behind you But a lot of times it doesn't help you And that was a track that everybody that just got to the front end Was able to really kind of clear off So I, I think you get, you got to give Lynn's map a chance right back um, and, and yeah, ma- many ways to go in here A really fun two uh Risen Star races. Really glad that it's split. We're going to get to see a ton of these horses, and we're going to find out this weekend how good they really are. Um, before we let you go, though, I know that coming soon you have a podcast, a new podcast in the works that you're going to be developing. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and then let us know where we can follow you on social media? Yeah, it's called um, Mike Sports Nation Podcast. Um, I'm in development on getting my first month of uh, shows uh, recorded right now uh, with some guests. I'm going to have you on one of my shows yes, sir. Uh, since since you've had me on quite a bit of your shows. Uh, we'll be just talking general topics, horse racing, uh, the new XFL, uh, NFL free agency, NFL draft. Uh, we have spring training coming up, just anything. Overall, uh, we'll probably be doing some questions. I'll try to get a line going up. Uh, so we can have people call in, maybe a couple people, and 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 I just really want to take off because uh, I I seen what you're doing. I've been following you for a long time, ever since your your days on TV, and uh, I always liked your podcast and and the product you put out. So I figured, why not me? You know, um, so it's called Mike Sports Nation Podcast. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Michael Gagliano, um, Twitter M Gagliano, and then on Instagram at Mike Knows Thirty. That's all my social media accounts. Mike, awesome job again. Really appreciate it. You uh, you do a great job handicapping these races at fairgrounds, and we love talking sports with you. So look forward to coming on your show, and we'll uh, we'll get you back here again uh, on that's what G said in no time. And and keep keep up the good work, man. Keep the you were the first. Uh, congratulations, being the first one to hit the, the the three plays in a row. Keep it rolling. Let's let's have another nice month because you've had a, a couple good ones so far to start the year. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I'll give you one. I'll give you one pick for the weekend. I like Seattle minus three over Tampa Bay and XFL this weekend as your oh, bonus. <laughs> before we let you go, too, we'll, like give, give us like thirty seconds to a minute. What did you think of the, the first opening weekend of the XFL? What were some of your thoughts? I love it. I'm a, I love the two point conversion, three point conversion. I love how you can be down seventeen nothing and and it's only a two possession game. Um, everything from the kickoffs. I mean, it really, really took off, and I be- really believe. If they can have a great first year, that they'll probably expand to at least 12, 16 teams in the next two to three, two to three years. Yeah, I was I was really happy with it too. I think I didn't I didn't come in with like huge expectations, and then everything I saw was positive. I love how how the ESPN and Fox Sports and they were giving it real serious football coverage. You know, they had some of their their top announcers on there and their top reporters, and the speed of the game was good. Because you know what, Mike, you can't just try to do. An NFL style football 
And it not be as good as the NFL With players that we don't know You have to kind of have a slightly different approach And I like what they're doing with Some of the different changes The The game moves very quickly We got to hear from you know players Right off of the One of the players dropped an F-bomb Right after a, a penalty We got to hear them right you know right on the field So I, I like that they're, they're, they have an approach They have an idea And they said you know what We have to try to be a little bit different We're not going to go the old XFL Which was just kind of like WWE extended Let's make this real football With just you know, real unique, different rules, and I, I was pretty pleased. I'm going to be tuning back in again this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the announcers are great. They have Pat McAfee, who I absolutely love. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and like I said, it, it's a good brand, and I really believe the NFL is going to take a lot of these rules that they're showing, especially the kickoffs, in the next two three years, and, and we'll really see an XFL brand of football introduced in the NFL. Mike, we really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with your show when it starts getting up. We'll make sure that we share it and uh, and we post it out there for the folks to listen to. And good luck this weekend at the fairgrounds. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. That was our first NBA Jam winner. Remember, folks, when you see me posting over on social media, on Facebook, and on Twitter, give us your plays for the weekend. If you give us plays three consecutive weeks in a row, you can come on just like Mike did, and we'll uh, we'll have a segment where we kind of talk some sports and, and break down whatever you want. So uh, appreciate that. Great job from Mike, and we'll be right back to close things out here on That's What G Said. Big thank you to Mike. Great job there, uh, Mike, and uh, we'll let you know the info about his new podcast when that is up and rolling, and I'll uh, I'll be a guest on on one of his first couple shows, and we'll break down some races and just talk some sports overall in general. Let's roll through the fairgrounds. Uh, my recap real quick. I'll go through some of the races that I like at fairgrounds and just kind of give you some quick plays all, all throughout the card. In race number one, I played the thirteen Happy Thought last time out. She got real. She got bet down hard after uh, a pretty good. Debut where she came running on late And she was just a little bit flat She was way out of it She never really got a shot Now it's going to be her second time going long And just keep an eye on her price You know, I don't want to take You know, I think she should be She could be about half of what she is So 6-1 to one and above is fair And with her running style If she if she drops I got the, the outside draw doesn't really concern me Because if she drops back And is able to tuck in a little bit And make one late rally So let's give a shot to the number 13 Happy Thought In race number 1 at Fairgrounds This is Saturday, February 15th Race number 2 at Fairgrounds um, The 6 is just one to I'm not going to bet But keep an eye on On the 6 who is Airstream and that one is the half brother to Rachel Alexandra. The dam has produced five other foals, all five of multiple winners um, that have each earned a hundred thousand. The dam was a winner at a mile, was second in the grade two goldenrod, and Airstream had a slow start, was ten lengths off on the inside, um, was at the back group, moved in between horses, was not far out of third. It was a very nice learning type race, and now he stretches out. So He'll probably get hammered at the windows Especially on a day like this when you have You know, uh, Rachel The Rachel Alexandra being run uh, A little later on in the card But, uh, unbelievable When you look at her record back again 13 for 19 uh, and over 3.5 Million in Earnings The third Race is The is the the eight? I'm gonna go to the eight here. Ready for for my close up. This is a horse who I'll give. Uh, I'll make a wager on if we can get 
seven to two or so. Uh, I was a big fan of her debut. She broke really well. She w- and then her second step was a little slow. She was back to last. She then rushed up in between horses. She went right into traffic, up onto the heels of rivals. She was up to fourth, and then she was only she was only within a couple lengths before flattening out. It was a very good learning type experience. I like the outside draw. I think she has you know a little more speed, but she can probably sit off the pace too. Let's give the number eight ready for my close up top billing in race number three at the fairgrounds. We'll make a win wager on this one if we can get anything over seven to two. Uh, let's skip to race number five. As you notice, we've been covering, you know, Sam Houston. We've been playing a lot, a lot more Sam Houston. I think this six horse Renan is it has a big, big shot in here. It, where's the speed in this fifth race? This is a good group of. Uh, this is a, an interesting race, and there are some good three year olds in here, right? You know, like. Chestertown was a two million dollar purchase. Shake some action, uh, sharecropper. Like, these are these are nice. These are nice animals. But where's the the speed? And going a mile and an eighth. I think a lot of these horses are going the mile and an eighth for a reason because they want to go a little bit longer because they're not that quick early. I think the this horse has a shot to just steal the race. Stretching out from six furlongs to the mile and an eighth, Renan is going to be on the lead, and I think he takes them as far as he can. This is a horse who I'll, I'll bet to win, and maybe single in some of your early exotics. Anything over like three to one, um, I'll play the number six, Renan, who is really impressive in the debut at Sam Houston. Race number six, it's the Colonel Power, five and a half furlongs on the turf course. I like. The five in here I think the two chaos theory You you want to probably include Especially underneath in some exotics But he needs a little bit help up front There's not a lot of speed In this particular race He doesn't have a lot of speed And I don't know how much Speed there is in this spot There's always going to be a little bit of, You know going five and a half furlongs But they're going to have to be really really Cranking to set it up for chaos theory Who might be better next time out So the the horse who I feel like gets the better trip in here is the number five star of Kodiak, who has enough speed, like tactical positional speed, to put himself in a nice spot. But in, against this group, he's not going to be on the lead. He's not that quick. I want a horse who's not going to have to be coming from way way out of it, because then you're going to have to be at the mercy of traffic trouble, weaving in and out of horses, and maybe somebody else out outruns you all, and then kind of just runs them off their feet. Let's go to the five star of. Kodiak, or anything around four to one or so, seems fair and worthy of a win wager. And maybe use the two underneath in some of your exotics. The eighth race, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to really play like anything on a win end. But I would put Mitchell Road on top of, you know, maybe some some price horses in here if you can if you can sniff them out. I just was extremely impressed with Mitchell Road's last effort. I picked her in a fantasy league and. She is generally a mare who wants to be, you know, right on the lead or sitting very, very close. And she completely missed the break um, last time out. She was squeezed back right after the start. She was tenth. She was like ten off, and she really relaxed nicely toward at, towards the back of the pack. She kept to the outside. She was four wide, uh, making a bid at the top of the lane. She was up late for second. It was pretty impressive. And she's now proved that she can actually pass horses. You get a jock switch. Rosario jumps back aboard. He knows her pretty well. I like Mitchell Road 
and we're not going to be able to like play her to win, but maybe this is a, a race where you can kind of key in on her, or maybe you can use her on top of some others. I, I very rarely even give. You know, horses that are like the morning line favorite or short prices out. But I was just extremely impressed with her. And if she is around two to one, that actually might be fair value. Race number nine. Yeah, in the mine shaft, Silver Dust is going to be really tough. Like, I'm not trying to beat Silver Dust in any exotics or however you're approaching this race. He looks like he keeps improving. I mean, he never runs a bad race. His only poor effort was in the Ali Sheba that, that you can find is in the Ali Sheba at uh, at Churchill. wasn't wasn't even really that bad. He was behind McKinsey, Tom's the Tot, Seeking the Soul came out of that race to win. It was just a, a good crew, and and since then you're you're left with a horse who just shows up each and every time. This is a great spot for him. He likes this racetrack. He he comes off a really good effort. Where he just was cruising And he has that great running style He was you know, he was tracking, he was tucked inside He was able to get off the rail early He waited patiently behind Gunnett And then he moved to the lead without really being asked And he crushed I think he's using him in all exotics But the horse I might bet to win in here Is the number 10, Cutting Humor Remember Cutting Humor who was on the Derby Trail back in Cutting Humor who actually was Not on the Derby Trail, in the Derby in 2019, it was only 25 to one. It was under 25 to one because Mike Smith jumped aboard, and he actually didn't run that poorly. To be fair, he was put up to 10th via via the DQ. He then was off for the rest of 2019, and he came back in his first start of 2020. He ran at Gulfstream Park, and I actually thought the race was pretty good. He drew the outside. In a field of nine, he broke out He was hooked five wide into the turn But then he was able to settle He settled third, he settled in the two path He was within just a couple lengths He moved to the lead prior to the top of the lane But he was, I, I think, you know, a little wide early First start in, in quite some time He was he was just kind of all in early He was tired, but he really still kept trying When it looked like I thought he had every right to back all the way up He still kept trying He still's f- trying to fight back on the inside And he just misses second in that start now the blinkers come off You're going to go second start off the long, long layoff I think he has a chance to take a major Step forward in here Let's put the 10 on top Cutting humor of the 4, silver dust And we'll use them in all of the uh, the exotics there And some of the late exotics at fairgrounds Moving on to race number 10 The 12 midnight tea time Is one that I want to give another shot back to Joel does jump aboard I think if you toss the synthetic And the mile and a half race Probably just a little bit too far A little farther than he wants to go Most recently he tracked from 4th He was like 7-8 off He was a clear cut 2nd uh, In a race where Don't blame Rocket Just got the jump And midnight tea time Just needs kind of like a, a different time to ride In here I think 12 The number 6 classic Kobe Who's very very honest Last out He was outrun He was 12 plus lengths off But he was tracking very well he was still dead last and five off at the top of the lane. He showed a big, big late rally, and that was back in October. He's very honest. He's going to give you a good account of himself. I like that uh, Mott puts him in this spot. The number five, don't blame Rocket. Tough to exclude him and what Norm Cassie has done with him off the claim. I think he's uh, kind of a horse you have to include in some of your exotics. And, you know, obviously Synchrony, who comes back home, I th- I'm, I'm not going to come. Named Toss Synchrony, but I think he might get a little overplayed because he's such a good horse at fairgrounds. The three Botswana is also one that you know has the opportunity to 
sit a very nice trip in here. So that's kind of how I see uh, Fairgrounds tenth. You know, twelve, six, five, and two kind of the the major major players in this one. And I, I would put a few bucks on the twelve and, and sneak that one into some of the exotics in race number eleven. Just from a pure you know betting standpoint, I, I'm going to go to the five because I, I think British Idiom might need a race for her best. I think Finite. Might be about this good And I don't know if she's going to continue to keep stepping forward As the distances get longer And as she faces um, fillies that are a little bit better I will give the 5 Tempers Rising a shot in here She was a step slow, she settled On the inside, about 7 lengths off She moved up outside, she angled 6 wide And was was gaining on the winner She will come running With Ursula, His Glory Impeccable Style They should really set up Plenty of pace and, and then you know you got finite there on the outside You could even have a, a British idiom that's a little bit fresh Off the bench and that would make it even better For uh, the late running Tempers rising Race number 12 Oh this is a fun one right The, the Of the two I mean I'm I'm fine with making cases For The nine Mr. Monomoy who I have on top I'm fo- You can make a case I, I have nine two ten. 11-5-1 The 3 showed great speed And, and so then the question you have with the 3 is Was, did he improve a lot And crush that group because of the slop Because of the way the racetrack was playing that day Or Was it maybe just stretching out Maybe he just wanted to go longer I do think the 4 is going to be in a little tough in here I mean, what's wrong with the 5? Moon over Miami who was really impressive At Aqueduct back on December the 7th And then on January 11th with a step slow And got pushed really really wide into the turn The 6 is going to be flashing some speed up front Really quick Blackberry Wine is a really like buzz ho- Big buzz horse And has reportedly been training extremely well There you can see some excellent works Especially that 46 and 3 uh, Coming out of the the optional claiming win I just don't know in a big field like this Is he going to get the trip he needs Is he more of a need the lead type And and if that in that case you know, Is that going to hurt his chances in here uh, What's wrong with Farmington Road You know Coming off of a win I think he, he probably needs a little more He needs to show a little bit more To be top you know, competitive with this group But yeah, 9-2-10 11-5-1 is how I've pegged That risen star The 12th and then in the 13th A new door is the one to beat, right? So I, I'm gonna put a new door in, you know, like I like the third, the fourth spot. I I don't think I'll, if you're playing like late pick fours and stuff, this would be a race where I'm content with trying to beat him. If you're playing tries and supers and exact does and stuff, he's probably in the mix. Um, I have the seven horse here on top. That's Major Fed. I, I love that. Uh, that January 1st win right here He was a step slow from the outside He was tucked in nicely going into the turn He was in the two path, he was fifth, he was three off He was in between horses, but he waited, he took back He angled around, four wide bid From a length off at the top of the lane And then he just crushed when he was set down For the drive, very impressive He seems really handy, he seems like a horse Who has multiple gears In his career debut sprinting, he was in the slop And he hooked a horse named Gold Street Who's now won three races in a row Back-to-back stakes I like major Fed in here The 11 mailman money is 2 for 2 In his career debut he beat Digital Who you see in race number 12 Mailman money was most recently 3 deep into the first turn He sat 3rd, he was in the 2 path, he was 2 off He was asked for some run, he loomed up 
and he easily took the lead and kicked on. Very, very visually impressive. Um, the nine and uh, and lens map and a new door. I have kind of in my next tier. Uh, I have lens map. You can just kind of excuse that January twenty fourth race. Put a line right through it. Chasing lone speed on a speed favoring track in the mud is just not an easy task. Sometimes when you're in second and you're chasing and you're really pressing, that's the toughest place to be. And then a new door, you have multiple graded stakes plays, just beaten in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Again, another bang up race, losing to uh, the Baffert Thousand Words. The blinks on. Does he need a race? Um, he's kind of been a little quirky. It seems like he's had every opportunity to go by. I mean, he's lost in good spots, but he does tower over this field as far as accomplish- accomplishments and as far as like, what he's done. The three Mr. Big News is another one I'm fine with making a case for. In his career debut, he was sprinting. You know, you could toss that race, and he hooks. You know, he's behind Gold Street, and comes out, finishes second, and comes back to win a couple races after that. And, and then he, he hooks the slop and back-to-back starts in Churchill and at Fairgrounds. He was actually second in a decent race behind Strike Appeal. And then most recently, you know, he's finally getting a fast track going long. Mister Big News might just want to run all day. Seven eleven nine eight three in race number thirteen. Good luck At the fairgrounds And now we make the transition We're going to go from the fairgrounds Over to Sam Houston Back in just a second with some Sam Houston racing Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds We are very excited to be covering the races From Sam Houston Race Park Here on That's What G Said On each and every episode They're broadcasting in HD They have bigger purses Turf racing over there But for me, the key Is that 12% low takeout On their multi-leg wagers Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives They are building a great program over there It truly is major league racing We have to give a big applause To the TTA The Texas Thoroughbred Association They've added new and Incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses So it's better for the customers And it's better for the horsemen in Texas Their social media presence has been bumped up You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter And you're going to find morning training videos The Monday Minute Jockey interviews Or if you're not on Twitter You can find all the information at SHRP.com They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women And the betters right So let's give them a little bit of our focus A couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day And the big day, March the 21st That is Texas Champions Day We'll be covering all of that action here On That's What G Said With all sorts of different interviews Focusing in on Sam Houston Make sure when you go to play the races Give Sam Houston a look With that ultra low 12% takeout In the multi-leg wagers Sammy Houston, Saturday February the 15th, get your past performances out for Saturday First couple races are Arabians, so I'm not going to dive into to those ones I, um, I just don't really know know the horses all that well And uh, I will, uh, I'll save the bullets for races 3 and on So let's turn to race number 3 on Saturday I'm going to use a couple in here So let's play a pick three That you can you can play in this third race And let's use the, the three and the four Nim, who was a, a pretty good runner-up last time out Behind a next out winner And if you look at some of the races that he comes out of They're actually very productive He's been behind a lot of horses Who have come out of those races And have performed very well Most recently, he was mid-pack He was seventh He was in a big field He was inside He was within five He angled in between 
and around, and it was a really solid clear-cut second on January the 10th. I think just a repeat of that performance makes him really tough in here. Madiba on the cutback, he, I loved him last time out. He couldn't really get the lead like I was expecting, and then he kind of moved to it, and he was he didn't have the, the, the best of trips, but I think he's going to be pretty tough in here too. So let's just use those two. We'll, we'll play a pick three with the three and the four in uh, in race number three. We put the three Nim on top of the four. In the uh, fourth race, I th- I think the one in here has an opportunity from the inside to steal this race. Uh, stretching out, looks like an inside speed who has been a legit pace factor in sprint races. She's proven now that she can actually pass horses. She was showing last time out when she didn't break very well that she can pick up some pieces. There is not a ton of speed in this race. You move up and down here. Who's going to be quick enough to compete with Sherry Babe early on Maybe the 8, Boundless Joy But I, I think if Boundless Joy Ends up pushing Sherry Babe Then it will likely set up for your 5 and your 7 So I feel like the 1, 5, and 7 Probably will, will get you through This 4th race here with the 1 Sherry Babe as a horse that we can make a win wager on If we get 6, make about half of what she is With you know the opportunity for her to get out front And get brave from the rail Race number 5 We're going to use Three horses to, to close out this pick three The third race that we'll start And we'll take a shot against the number five Giles Who will be the heavy favorite in here We'll use the seven, eight, and nine uh, The nine Big Egypt Was claimed for 7,500 Then stepped up and beat Maiden Special Weights Going along on the grass But we know this is one who's actually run decent Going along on the main track So I'm going to give Big Egypt uh, a shot in here I think the seven shield fire with the blinkers on Has the opportunity to, to show a little more speed Than he showed in, in his last few I think he will be right up on the pace And then we'll be using the uh, the eight Uncorked humor who's another one Who's going to be probably the one to catch When shield fire will be Kind of pressing I think that's where he's he's at his best When he's able to sit right behind a target So I'm expecting uh, uncorked humor to go Shield fire going to be a little bit closer Right behind and uh, And then the nine, big Egypt trying to mow them all down late. We'll take a little swing against Giles, who nothing, you know, logically has every opportunity to beat this race. You see Doby in the running lines who, who came back and won the other day. But when you set it up, you know, you got to go race by race and you can't go favorite, 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 favorite in all of the exotics. Like there have to be some races where you're chucking out a couple of the, you know, the, the low price top contending horses because otherwise you're just not going to ever, uh, Make enough money for it to be worth it Okay, sixth race It looks like the one After Red Sun is the one to beat You know, just off that Remington Park form Two and three starts back You can make an excuse for the most recent race where she uh, On January the 29th where it was taken off the turf I do think the two As far as what the turf is concerned Is the most likely Winner in here I like Little Code I'm going to make her my top selection If we can get 3-1 to one, I'll make a win wager on her She was behind You know Much better You look at Zofel And you know You see Quinn Murphy Who she was racing against Was was just a lot A lot tougher Than uh, the competition In this spot So let's put the 2 on top The 5 Hannah Highway Returning to the grass A little interesting Those grass races In Arlington Park Really were not bad at all in one going a mile where she showed a little bit more tactical speed, she's going to go second start off the bench now, and she got that re, uh, the return of the races out of the way. I think Hannah Highway could spice up this, you know, some of the exotics in here at a price. And I mentioned the one after Red Sun as a top tier contender. Kind of tough to build cases against this horse's uh, 
turf form. And then the 10 will be the other one that I include. And that's Beryl's Flight, who she might just have enough speed to hang around. She's going to go second start off the bench. She has some decent races on the grass. She, You know you're going to get a little speed from the outside from her. I think they gun it. So... You know, throw her into you know one of your pick fives or any any kind of the rolling exotics that you're playing there. In in race number six, so bef- uh, so real quick just to and to uh, repeat, the pick five does start in this sixth race. We'll give you a, a pick five and we'll give you all all of the the plays that we kind of have set up um, right when we when we get to uh, the the tenth. Two five one ten. In race number six, I'm thinking about singling little code on one pick five ticket, and then I'll play another one where I use uh, those four one, two, five, and ten. And we have them in that order two, five, one, ten. Race number seven, the one Satin's little one. This is not a strong group. And I feel like he's improving. He's going to go third off the bench. He's going di- to get a little t- turn back now. And the way this race should unfold. It looks like he's going to get a nice trip. I think Prince Jet will go, and with you know speed in a race like this, you just kind of have to use them. I think the three Texas Wit is going to be you know very live, very logical. I'm I'm okay with taking a shot against the first time starter King Bling in here, so I'm going to go with one eight three. You know Texas Wit, he's actually already crossed the wire first, and one more step forward for Satin Little's one. Will win this race with the, the outside speed. Prince Jet has the opportunity to clear the field and never look back. One eight three in the seventh race at Sam Houston in race number eight. I'm gonna look to the nine in here, Kirtara, who have been knocking on the door for a while. Put it all together last time out. If you go back and look at some of her turf form. It is really not bad at all. A couple decent races. The the Laurel race is good. Go back and watch the race at Kentucky Downs in in August. Not bad at all. Then look who she finish uh, who she faces after that. She hooks Finite. She hooks Swiss Skydiver. Who we're going to see both of them in in stakes. You know, the the Silver Bullet Day at Fairgrounds or in the uh, the Rachel Alexander at Fairgrounds. That's your Silver Bullet Day winner, Finite. Did. This is a good spot for Kirtara to get back to the gr- the grass. So let's put the nine on top. I think the eleven Valentine's Day, which is funny, right? The day after Valentine's Day, and this one's running just off the fairgrounds win, uh, is a must include. The four Margot Mania could take a big step forward, going two sprints to a route, stretching out, nice maiden breaking score over the Sam Houston Main. So now tries the green, and, and then the one City of the Nile, the the. The race at Ratama when she broke her maiden on the grass was very good. She sat real patiently early on. She has that nice kind of tactical style. Maybe she shows some speed from the rail. So you have some options there with the one. I'll go nine eleven four one. I will put a few bucks to win on the nine if we can get, you know, anything over half of what her, her morning line is. I think six to one or over seems about fair there. Close things out or with a, a late double of the, the ninth race and the tenth race, the ninth race. Maiden 25s, 5.5 furlongs. I'm going to go to the 3 early, uh, home early, surely. Faced open maiden claimers in the debut and was really good at, at Remington Park on December 11th. And then she stepped up and faced maiden special weights on January the 18th, was your beaten favorite that day. You know what? The race was not bad and it was in a big field. She was involved early on. I think last time out they might have found that she was in just a, a bit too tough 
Now you're going to drop back down to you know maiden claimers against the Texas spreads. I think home early surely is in a great great spot in here and the two triple bold baby from the rail will probably be flashing speed. Maybe home early surely can sit right behind. Surely was able uh, went six furlongs and now will cut back whereas triple bold baby coming off of a a five and a half furlong race and coming off of a layoff Hasn't raced since July I think she could get a little bit short late I put the three on top of the two On top of the eight Sweet tomato pie Hey I think this is the price in the field right She's going to go second off the bench She at least has some speed And she got a race over the track And the first start of the year out of the way last time out She should be a lot fitter And maybe she's just involved early on And she can hang around for a piece So let's use the 3 on top of the 2 On top of the 8 Closing out with the 10th race Maidens, 50,000 Mile on the turf course The 2 is going to be really tough in here Uh, You have to just be able to excuse his last start Because that was in the mud Put a line through it His career debut on the grass Was a really good second At Remington Park The 10 horse Geminator uh, On the drop alone Deserves some Consideration The 3 horse Clamorator You have Geminator and Clamorator Clamorator is a first time gelding Who came out of some productive races Sprinting and now is going to stretch out I imagine they're just going to wing it and, and see how far this one can go and uh, Try to get her out on the lead Or sit real close in here And then the five Clever Union Who dropping in class Should come running late Clever Union Two, ten, three, five there So some of the plays For me at Sam Houston on Saturday We'll go with The third race, pick three Three, four With one, five, seven With Seven, eight, nine. Pick three that's uh, races three, four, and five. And then the sixth race, it's going to be a pick five. I'm going to play a couple different tickets. I mentioned I always like to do a few different um, forms. That way, you know, you can kind of hit a couple if you're the, the horses you like right uh, win, or you give yourself an opportunity um, to kind of key a couple different races. So we'll go sixth race, two with one, three, eight, with one, four, nine, eleven, with two, three, eight, with two, three, five, ten. Next. Pick five will be one two five ten with one three eight with one four nine eleven with two three with two ten. So you can see, you know, if you're someone who can play on, if you want to play on just a really small ticket or a much smaller ticket, I could even give you one where it's sixth race single the two with one three eight in the seventh with four nine eleven in the eighth single the three in the ninth single the two in the tenth. That's a really really affordable pick five. Or if you want to just play pick fours, pick threes, doubles. Remember. All the multi-leg wagers All the multi-leg exotics 12% takeout Horses to include in, in your exotics Throughout the card The 4th race, the number 1, Sherry Babe The 6th race, the number 2, Little Code The 8th race, the number 9, Kirtara And the ninth race, the number 3, Home Early Shirley Best of luck at Sam Houston this weekend And we'll be back with more coverage Of the Sam Houston Racing on Wednesday For their uh, their Next card after the weekend Just gonna get through Your uh, plays for the weekend uh, Dennis Miller said he needs One more week of watching the XFL Before he's playing this weekend And then over on Facebook How about Michael G Michael coming right back he, He's already won the NBA Jam He's looking for another He says XFL Seattle minus 3 over Tampa 
Joe Q says uh, For Sunday, Boise State upset San Diego To end their undefeated run Okay Randall Flagg is going to box 1678 In the second leg of the Risen Star Exactas, Tries, and Supers Good luck, Randall Tom Pogue He Let's see I'm playing (laughs) Nothing really, Tom's just having some fun But shout out to you, Tom Pogue um, Rob Says uh, he, oh, Rob gave out Like Nadal last week Said it was an easy pick But single nonetheless This weekend Team LeBron On the money line For the All-Star game That is Rob Kasbrick Rob let me know If I'm butchering your name uh, Matt Zywitek UNC to shock Virginia Barney Mil- Barney Rick Miller Says NASCAR, but you gotta get a little more specific, right? Let us know what in NASCAR. Peter Martini says the line hasn't. Um, he uh, Maryland over Michigan State on the road. Couple of plays Saturday track wise. Laurel Park race five, the number five Miss Marissa. Race eight, the number nine Wicked Trick. Gulfstream Park race eleven, the number four uh, Restless Rider. And at Fairgrounds, the ninth race, the number eight winning number. Good luck. Peter, I like that Peter Giving us uh, Maryland Over Michigan State And then some racing for Laurel, Gulfstream And Fairgrounds uh, Bill says uh, Ricky Stenhouse to win the Daytona 500 And Charles Stone says Dallas Renegades and the over So if you ever wanted to Come on a show If you've ever wanted to you know, Host a a you know radio show, a podcast, or a segment. This is the perfect chance for you. Look around, go follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Follow me on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola. And if you give us a winner, we'll give you a shout out. If you give us two winners, we'll give you another. If you get us three winners, if you NBA Jam rules, you are on fire. You come back the next week and we'll have you on here for a segment, just like you heard Michael earlier today. Thanks to Michael. Thanks to Jeremy, and thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, and review anywhere you get your podcast, and share the show around, everyone. Have a nice, nice Valentine's Day. Uh, I love you all. I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you out there listening, downloading, subscribing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So we'll be back next week with plenty more on That's What G Said.